0: Hello, it's all live. It's John Givens hosting this week. Hope you are well and looking forward to a wonderful weekend. Well, let's all hope so. Uh, it's an early start on Saturday uh, to find out whether that's going to be uh, a red weekend or not. But to discuss all that on more and more, I've got Kim you, I've got Harriet Pryor, I've got Mike Bankole. Um, in part one, we're going to talk a little bit about the press conference, uh, react to that, and also a little bit on the, on the Deloitte Money League, uh, the exciting stuff, Liverpool shooting up, uh, which in theory is a good thing, uh, but you know, as ever, uh, caused a few people to moan as well. Um, in part four, we're going to look ahead to Chelsea, and we've got a couple of inserts for those of you listening as a podcast as well. So uh, first of all, Harriet probably spoke to Emma Sanders a little bit about uh, the state of the LFC women's team at the moment, and things to look forward to, uh, if that is the, the phrase uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, also, I spoke to Katie Alex, who's a brilliant Liverpool artist who came in last year. Who's got something really exciting uh, to announce today. So she came in to do it with us, which was very nice of her indeed. But before all that, um, I'll start with you, Mike. Uh, Jürgens held his press conference. You know, he was asked a lot about spending as ever. Said some interesting stuff on the Chelsea spending. Uh, talked about Bajatic um, a little bit and suggested that. Basically, he's not going to hold him back because he looks his, he looks ready, uh, which is very exciting and and also reflected on the fact that it's a thousand games, uh, which is an incredible achievement for any manager. Um, some of them don't get ten. Um, there's one across Stanley Park where I don't think he's going to get to a thousand, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, but Jürgen has, and good on him for that.
1: Yeah, he has. and remarkable that he's had so many of those games with us, and yeah things aren't going as well now as we would hope as he would hope but you know for a lot of us especially you know if you're a fan my age or sort of mid to late 20s you've basically he's like the manager is taking you from like being maybe at university all the way to kind of like being in your late 20s and so that those years are you know your fun years the two years you have in the time of your life and Jurgen Klopp's been a a big part of that and let's hope that you know as this season kind of goes on we are able to kind of capture some form and and return to being a Jurgen Klopp side. Because I think at the moment, we aren't particularly playing like a Jurgen Klopp side. I mean, you know, there are so many things that are obviously worrying and and the Brighton game for the culmination of all of those things. But yeah, it's been so great to have him as a manager for for so long and looking forward to to many more years of Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool.
0: Yeah, many more years, hopefully, Harriet, and and years of of success, which is what what we all want. Mike said something interesting there about you know, how much, how long he's been in our lives. And for, you know, for, for I, guess, I guess for you, pretty much all your adult life has, has been with Jürgen Klopp. And, you know, for, for Dortmund fans, it must have been all they knew was Jürgen and they had one bad year and obviously goes on and... You know, I think the the left a bit, or you know, maybe maybe sort of thinking back to that, and you see a little bit of that now. I think with it with our with our fan base, where where we we are struggling a little bit, we get that good win on on Tuesday. And Jegen's been here so long, we maybe forget a little bit what was before.
2: Yeah, it's funny because I was saying before that one. Game has the ability to change the outlook and change momentum, and you're going into that game. And you're thinking, God, I really don't want to watch this. It's Wolves in a in a third round FA Cup replay, and then it has the ability to just completely change the mood. But yeah, it's interesting. Seven years of Jurgen Klopp and a thousand games later, and and people are still. Sort of lack the ability to, to be long sighted and to take a long sighted approach on things because I, I just can't believe that there's people that don't back this manager still after everything he's achieved everything he's brought to the club the synergy that exists between him and the club him and the culture him and the city and then you know you still have people questioning whether he's the right person to get us out of a situation and I think at at the moment there's obviously a bit of a a disconnect isn't there between Jurgen Klopp's style of play and how he wants to set up a football team and maybe the personnel that he has available and and, you know a lot of that it has got to do with the fact that a lot of what he does relies on running and relies on legs and distance and and the team is just a bit knackered this year and and it's difficult for him but yeah I have no doubt that he's the right person to, to sort of bring us back to to all the the sort of past few years and the success that we've had, and absolutely love him a thousand games. I'd definitely take a thousand more.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure he's got a thousand more. In him, Keo, he, he
2: would he would pass out on that, wouldn't he? He'd be like, "No, I'm out." But,
0: but hopefully, he's got a few more sort of for Liverpool at least. And it was funny he was offered, he was asked for a, to give his advice uh, to to himself 22 years ago, which is when sort of this this a thousand game starts And he, he talks about how different it was you know, laser games on DVDs, and so when you wanted to know the outside world, thoughts you would ask or read the newspaper, uh, criticism being easy to avoid. Now it's everywhere. Uh, he says, oh my God, everyone with no expertise has opinions, uh, which is the new Anfield abstract line. line. Um, but, you know, it is the case, isn't it, that everyone wants to tell <coughs> Jürgen, you know, what he's doing wrong at the moment, and, uh, and this and that, and why aren't you playing him, but... For them, you know, he's it's it's, it's them who's got to find the solutions. It's them with, with, with all the information and stuff like that. And it's them who are looking at it, aren't they? And thinking, well, we'll, we'll you know, what is it that we need to do to make, my, to make this Liverpool team, like Mike says, look more like the one that we've got?
3: Well, first of all, I, when, when you talk about when Klopp started out, and I don't know whether managers like Klopp would have been given the time of day. In in, in, yeah. in in this day and age, I mean, to, to, you know, to go through the ranks and, and teams like Man's and then obviously big leagues like Dortmund and Liverpool, you know, it's a it's a long time and it's a completely different game that we live in now. But I wouldn't have anybody else in charge of this club. I've always said this since he, since he came through the door. There's not a manager in the world that i swap swapping for, um, and I still think still think that there's not a manager on the planet that I'm swapping for. And even though things haven't been exactly how we want them lately, I couldn't pick anybody else to, 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 to fix the problem and and, and to take us back to, to, to trophies very, very soon.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully uh, this season, and, and that remains the plan, and you know, he's, he's through in the FA Cup, Mike, so that, you know, you always have a better chance of winning something if you're still in the hat, and he is, he is through, through against Wolves, and you know, we saw a lot more of what you were talking about. You mentioned before that it hasn't really looked like a Jern Klopp team. Well, that well, that side looked more like it. You know, we don't want to get carried away. It's a 1-0 it's with, with a one, the goal away, a team who was struggling, you know, in the Premier League a little bit. But still, you know, the bite that they showed, the, the speed that they were moving the ball and and some of the play looked much more like it, you know, from what we expect from a Liverpool team and a Jern Klopp team.
1: Yeah, I think the Wolves game was a reminder of just what we are as a side um, and what we can be as a side. And I think what we've been missing over the last, throughout most of the season, really, is that hunger, that aggression, and that desire. And Mm -hmm. Jurgen Klopp has spoken about it in the past, but I think Pep Guardiola spoke about it yesterday since he won the game 4 2. And he called out his players for showing a lack of hunger and desire in the game. And I think ultimately what's happened to both sides is you strike for perfection every season. You know, you have to break 90 points every season. And it can be hard to kind of recapture intensity, that desire year in, year out. And I don't for one second. I think it's a deliberate thing. I don't think players are deliberately not showing that hunger and that desire. But it, you can only climb the mountain top so many times. And I think what the young players show, the likes of Badger, Chiesa, and Elliot, is that they are going to be crucial for us moving forward because. They have a lot to prove. They have it all to work. And I like the likes of Jordan Henderson and Fabinho who, and, and others who have climbed the mountaintop and, and won everything for Liverpool. You know, Elliot hasn't, you know, really been involved in sides that have won a lot. He won, I mean, he won the FA Cup and the League Cup last season, but I'm talking about the kind of big honours and Badger just really just coming into his own this season. So that hunger, that desire that they showed when they played and then Covalho too when he when he played the other night as well. That's what we need moving forward. And I actually hope that similarly to twenty the 2021 20, season where we kind of put faith in that Phillips and, and Reese Williams towards the back end of that season, I hope we do see the manager put faith in those, in those young players who showed hunger, who showed you know, a level of poise at times as well and, and, and just you know looked comfortable at that level. He looks really comfortable against a, a Wolves side who are growing in confidence, who have been doing a lot better recently. So I think Wolves was a good start and it, it is more of what we want to see in this Liverpool side. But I just really hope that the young players form the bedrock of our side moving forward just because... But hunger, that desire they showed is so important. You can't have Jürgen Klopp's side about that hunger and desire.
0: No, absolutely. And it's been, you know, part of the identity, Harriet of what has made us so special. And, you know, the younger players, you know, <laughs> naturally show that, I guess. Yeah, really, if you've if not played as much, you know, you're not quite as weary, maybe not quite as many miles in the legs. You are going to go on and, and the pitch and, and try and sort of show everything you've got. And there's a few young players recently who, who have shown that for Liverpool. But Batch-titch is the is the one on on everyone's lips you know it, it feels like at the moment and, and his composure and how well he's played and it was interesting hearing your Jürgen talk about him and, and you know talk about his suitability for a game like this and he didn't necessarily say he would pick him but he certainly didn't rule him out and and, and I think the line was you know when he it, it doesn't look like he needs to be held back which just shows that he's showing that everything that he's showing to Jürgen Klopp you know in training and in the matches as well as that he belongs at this level
2: yeah, well I think midfield's a bit of a sort of curse word at the moment, isn't it? And any player that comes in and actually manages to sort of look like they're they're doing their job in midfield will will automatically impress because those are the issues and where the issues in the squad are at the moment. I think he came in and I sort of was looking afterwards and writing a bit and, and doing a preview for the, for the game at the weekend. And I just looked at his position and how tucked in he was to the centre-backs. And I think that was really clever play from him because he basically put himself in a position where he didn't want to get caught out. He was coming in. He knew he had a job to do. He knew his job was to play in that sort of holding and protective role. And he did exactly that. And I think that's why he was sort of well-placed to, to, to get in any last-minute tackles and to just make sure he was always in the right position. And that's what really impressed me about him in the game. But, yeah, you see with all the young players coming through that they they have that sort of sense of confidence and that's what the manager absolutely instils and in that they can come in, they can sort into the team and and be basically, you know, on par with all the other players that have got so much more experience. But that's probably where also the downfall of the team is at the moment because you've got these younger players who arguably, like, approving that they should be in the starting 11 and then you've got obviously at the other end of the spectrum players that are slightly underperforming that you know like Henderson and Fabinho that aren't on the form that you'd expect from them and we just need a bit of middle ground don't we and I think that's probably what we're we're crying out for now mm-hmm. is a couple of players that are sort of 25 26 that that will kind of transform that that midfield area but yeah definitely in terms of the youngsters we've had I've I've been really impressed with him and and Harvey Elliott as well because what what confidence when the team, team confidence is so low just to take that shot and and to score like that and him falling to the ground at full time was also particu- particularly funny. It was like we just won the Champions League final. And it's like guys, it's the way it was in a in an FA Cup game. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it meant more, didn't it? Like it was it was more than just that. It was all the you know the context around it was it felt it felt like a bigger win than it probably was in the context. But I, yeah, I was I was into it anyway.
0: I mean, we'd have took a a, a ground at one nil. Uh, one exactly. week, uh, I mean, when, when me and you were, we were in the freezing cold in Brighton, Keogh, uh, nursing hangovers and, you know, from from a nice night out together on Friday, it didn't look like Liverpool had a 1-0 in the ever again. So, I was with Harvey Elliott on the floor at the end, um, sort of <laughs> celebrating. Uh, I don't know about you.
3: Yeah, well, we said, didn't we, on Friday night at the show that if Liverpool are going to get a result at Brighton, we just need to get through it. It mightn't be the prettiest of performances and and it might you know we might have to win ugly um even though we looked better at Wolves it still wasn't it's still miles away from where we want to be but it mm. was it was better than we got um, it was a one-nil win and we got it over the line and and see what it what says I know where they're coming from it was just they needed something to change and and going through in the cup probably felt like a, a big moment for them um but in terms of, of how we looked just It was nice to have somebody in midfield, not putting too much pressure on, they were saying playing, playing, but playing and playing tomorrow. <laughs> I think having somebody who looked like he wanted to run in midfield and, and close gaps and, and be in people's faces, I think he just looked a better fresh air. And there's a reason why everyone's been talking about tomorrow, we can share in clips of and what he's done in that Wolves game. It's what our midfield now for, so I potentially will play tomorrow
0: yeah absolutely well we'll do a little bit more on the team um in in this well the second part of this if you're listening live and part four if you are listening as a podcast i just want to pick up on a couple more things from, from the press conference and I'll, I'll come to you mike he was obviously asked about chelsea's in, in, investments he he said he's not quite sure how they're doing it uh but it is very impressive um he was asked a little bit about how it how it Compared to his own, and I'll just read these quotes out. here I can't see investment stopping in the future, so that means we do have to do it as well. I believe in coaching, development and team building a hundred percent. But meanwhile, the managers out there—they are all good, and they believe in that as well. So if we start spending, then if you if you, we don't, so if they start spending and if we don't spend, you have a problem. I'm not sure Chelsea can do that for ten years. No, now and it's and it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because you know the manager. Has, has, has tried to be fairly consistent on this where he said, you know, spending isn't the be-all and end-all, but we do need to make sure that we're, that we're bringing quality in. And, and this point around, you know, other managers is, is completely right. I've never known a time where the Premier League, there's been so many top managers here. You know, there's, there's you know, if you look at someone like Emery who... You know is it i think it's a fantastic manager who's won things who's won european competitions you know rocking up at, at aston villa no offense to aston Villa, i'm just talking about where they are now and where they were sort of where where he took over it feels like you know there's there's eight to ten mat, cl- clubs in, in, in the premier league with a, with a manager who could be you know managing champions league sides very easily and then and then some of the others i haven't mentioned have got really interesting young managers who, who are developing and and doing well and so I guess what I'm saying is it's not as easy as having the best coaching and the best ideas because there's plenty of that knocking around and they are supplementing it with the spending too and that's the point that Jürgen made.
1: Yeah, for sure. This is, I mean, the Premier League is very much living up to it. its its branding. It is. It just feels like a really competitive league at the moment, especially with the, the where we are and where City are, probably not, out, well, we're definitely not our best. Like it goes about the same as City. I think it's clear for most people who've watched this season, they aren't at like their best even when their manager recognises that and I think... The problem a lot of the, the, the big typical big six sides have now is when they do have that drop-off in form, there are just so many teams with, with such good managers who are spending a lot of money that can quickly take your spot. You know, Newcastle now look well on course to finish in the top four. They have got a really good young manager in Eddie Howe, who probably falls into the young talented manager bracket you mentioned earlier. You know, you have someone like Brighton with Deserby who's who's come in and replaced Potter and, and unarguably improved Brighton in in, in some ways. They yeah. look at a more or more, or more ruthless side under, under you So there are just so many good young managers, so many good ex- and experienced managers who won so much. And and, and these clubs are all investing. And I think the manager was, you know, in the summer, he backed his lads. You know, he gave the interview with, with Neil where he says, What type of midfielder do I need? And he was, you know, quite, quite strong about not needing to sign a midfielder. And I think he has, you know, rightly um, understood the need for a midfielder. And, and there is, you know, who knows what's going to happen in January, but there's definitely in the summer rumours of, of, of quite a few bodies in that area coming in. So I think the manager, you know, he doesn't like transfer talk at the best of times. Like when we were flying and, and when every week he hated it and he hates yeah. it now. Um, I, I think he finds it disrespectful to his group and actually there have been times when he's been a bit prickly towards journalists who've asked him about midfielders and who've asked him questions about midfield. And I wouldn't say that's like a personal attack on a journalist. I, just, I do think for the manager, he finds talk of incoming players a disrespect to the current group he has. And that's ultimately who he is as a man. He's a very loyal man. But I do think deep down now, and I think privately, discussions between Jurgen and senior management, they would understand the need for a midfielder, which is really important. A need for recruitment in other parts of the squad as well. I'm sure. So I think for us to stay competitive, it transfers are are a necessity. And you know, we trust this club. We trust that the kind of the powers that be to sign the right players that are going to improve us. So so yeah, signings are signings are important. <laughs> Signings are
0: important, Harriet, and uh, and listen, uh, you'll get you'll go down to Sky at the moment every week and, and talking transfers, so we can't sort of talk it down too much transfer talk. Sorry, I'm getting my show sort of confused there. Um, <laughs> here. so I so didn't even so, notice. Uh, <laughs> just talking about and transfers and, and talking. There's
2: a, there's
0: a lot going on, and so we know, we all know, it's it's you know it's it's a big part of football now, and it's a big source of interest for people. I think it's slightly less interesting to and club than it is to other people, but then you know he knows that he doesn't want to get left behind. You know we talk. About some of the players that that, um, that Chelsea have recently bought, and and obviously sort of you know you know big admirers of, and 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 you know be interested if we if we see Mudrek this this weekend, you know we, we obviously won't see Yael Felix because he's been you know ruled out, but he was asked about him as well, and I think there's there's an awareness. Although Jegen yeah, did say you know listen, you don't have to rebuild your team every year, you know uh, to sort of point out that you know you're not throwing everything out and starting again every time it looks slightly wrong, but you know the idea that okay. you know. New talent coming to Liverpool, you know, is a, is going to be a vital thing. Making sure that you know we 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 get ourselves back to the top and stay there.
2: Yeah, I think people look at Chelsea and sort of rather than looking actually at at their squad, they just look at the amount of money that they've spent, which is actually ridiculous amounts on Mm -hmm. on actually not that many players and think, oh, I want to be spending money on all those players. But you you don't want that scattergun approach. I mean, you speak to Chelsea fans now and they're still saying that they need loads of new midfielders and there's still so much work needs to be done in their team. And actually, I think on the balance of things, and I know a lot of people disagree with this and do disagree with this, but our squad's not in a terrible place. I do think it only needs sort of a couple of, of, of new faces to come in. Because you look at you look on the back line and I think obviously Trent Robertson there, Regis Canate, that doesn't really need to maybe, maybe one new centre back in the next couple of years, Allison. I don't wouldn't don't think many people wanna replace. It is mainly that that midfield area and, and that's the area now where you just can can really can really tell that it, teams are just targeting and finding it so easy to play through so yeah transfers are important and no no manager is going to like talking about them and like mike already said i think he's a manager in particular that's really loyal to his teammates and also really keen to look internally for solutions we saw that with the with the sort of covid season when we when the black was decimated the, his sort of go-to was try and look internally who, who he had first look at the younger players, and then. Only you know. Later on, did we did we sort of panic by Quebec and then Ben Davies? So he kind of wants to see what he's got and work it out. But I think, like we've touched on as well, he knows now that it's time for for a few new faces to come in through the door, and he definitely wouldn't be averse to that. But it's finding the right players for the right price, and actually in January that's particularly hard. So I don't I don't know if we can expect sort of any this this January but hopefully in summers at least a few new people come in cuz definitely think we need it now.
0: And obviously that the pressure in, in some circles, you know, gets gets ramped up um and when you see things like the, the the like money league that comes out this week and Liverpool have gone from 7th to 3rd in that, uh which is a good thing. Uh let's be clear, uh, Liverpool making more money is a good but but there's people making, you know, noises that well if, if all this money's coming through then then maybe we should just still be spending it now. You know, we'll wait for the for the club accounts, which will give us more information, and maybe they are spending it all, and and, and we'll see sort of where that is, or maybe they'll make they've made big profits uh, last season, and then there'll be extra questions there. I don't know how much, you know, this stuff is is on your radar, is on you know fan radars, really. Uh, the Deloitte Money League wasn't really a thing when I grew up, so I mean, when you play the Sandon tomorrow, will there be loads of Deloitte Money League chat? Do you think, or it'll be uh, is Navicato playing midfield?
3: I think I think the reason why everyone's talking about it is because people want to see players come in and that's where with the area where we look at what, what is the club making what is the club spending you just said then I think it's important to see what the club are spending whether whether it's profits or whether or where, where, where they're at with that because like it or not like fSG or not the only the only spend you know what we make and it's just as that we don't we don't they don't pump money into the club we never pump money into the club in that way so we do need to see that and I agree with Harriet. However, however much we might need players coming in at the minute, like how many of these players in the squad are going to be there next season? It's going to be most of them. So therefore, we can't just go down the road of everyone club and We need to get everyone to sign a whole new team because I don't think that's the case. However, I do think two or three players coming in could probably give everybody a lift. I mean, I know I was I, I was sort of tired at the end of last season, and then I know City haven't been too great. But when I, when I seen City sign Haaland and and, and Potentially go up another level. It took a little bit of wind out of my sails after going all playing every single game last season and then thinking we've got to do it again um, and we've got to do it better. So I, mean, I think seeing players come in might give everybody a lift from the, the squad itself to the fans mm. to people asking the same old questions in, in the interview room. It is getting a little bit frustrating for some people, but I think, like I said, I don't think it's a case of. The whole team needs needs to go. A couple of players coming in could lift it, and I think Klopp knows that. I don't think there's anybody else better than than Klopp who knows this team and knows what it needs. So if we're all seeing it and we and we're watching it in Anfield and on the telly, and we can see that there's issues around players or positions, the manager definitely knows it.
0: And just just finally on on the delayed stuff, and finally on part one, Mike. You know, I did, I did sort of, you know, joke about it, you know, when I introduced this, but but it is a good thing that Liverpool are so high because it shows how well won we are. And for people my age, the idea of Liverpool making more money each season than Manchester United was you know, we were so far off and it was unreal. You know, they were the kings of commercial deals and, and obviously they had this huge stadium which put them ahead in terms of, you know, ticket revenue and things like that. For, for Liverpool to go above, Man United does show whether people like it or not, just how well run we've become as a football club that we are now. You know, the third the third highest, you know, revenue. We had the first third, third highest revenue in... In world football, the key is for us, you know, to stay there, and that and that happens, you know, through continued success. And continued success happens through investment. You know, we are not in a position to be be as creative over as our commercial partners uh, as others are, and so it is is success on the pitch. It's re- reaching Champions League finals. It's competing for trophies that, that does it for us.
1: Yeah, we can't enter into yeah dodgy partnership deals that other clubs do. I wouldn't I wouldn't name the clubs. I'll leave it to the imagination thanks, of thanks, Mike, of our. <laughs> of our listeners and viewers here. But to so no, I, I I just think uh, it is a sign of in many ways of how far we've come under Jurgen Klopp. You know, Jurgen Klopp again was, you know, it's a manager of lots of us and you know, my age have, have kind of grown up with almost, you know, I've, I can't remember how old it was and Jürgen Klopp to go from like twenty or something and, you know, it's a long time since then and, and and you know, the club has, has grown into you know, I, I never would have thought, especially given how much United traumatized me in my in my kind of adolescence, that we would be <laughs> Um, so far ahead of them in in, in that in that sense um, commercially, Um, you know they did seem as kind of big conglomerates, big superpower, and you here here we are. So it is a sign of, of how far we come as a club, and, and let's hope we can end this season strongly because a lot of this you know being high in the Deloitte league, which is not what we want. You know we want to win trophies and have good days out of Wembley, like the FA Cup final, a like League Cup final, but these little markers like you know being top, being being you know high up in, in this league, it is like part of the success. So let's let's hope that. You know, we end the season, you know, strongly. We can go on, on some kind of run, not like a 13 games of a row winning run, but a run that puts us in, into contention at least for the top four come, come April or May. And that success is really important for us. We do need to be in the Champions League. We do need to be in Champions League, partly because that will help us with the investments and with the signing the players. So, yeah, let's hope for more success and, and, and staying ahead of Man United in, in any league table is, is an exciting thing for me.
0: <laughs> above man united and everything um please especially uh in on the pitch and in the league table uh we'll see if we can do something about that at half 12 uh, tomorrow uh, okay we're gonna have a little break now um as i say if you are listening to the podcast you've got a couple of inserts that the maybe Harriet's have done in the week but if you are listening live we're going to be back to you very soon
2: And we're now joined by Emma Sanders, a broadcast journalist from the BBC to talk a little bit about the Liverpool women's team. They've obviously just come back from a a long break. I think we're going to have to touch on the United game because we can't really avoid it. It it wasn't their best performance. After a a long while off, you kind of want them to come back with a bit more than that. And I think the players themselves have admitted that they weren't happy with it, haven't they?
4: Yeah, I think that was the worst performance under Matt Beard um, by quite a mile. Actually, I don't think I've seen him uh, physically angry um, in a post-match interview before. and, And he was. He was... He was furious really. He said it was embarrassing he apologized to the fans. Um, you know, he highlighted the work rate, said it was unacceptable and I have to agree with him. I thought the performance was was terrible. Um, the scoreline I don't think was too surprising, you know, and that's that's not to say, you know, our players haven't got quality, but this is a Manchester United side who were in the the double cell title race. Yeah. Um, they've got some, you know, some huge players. They've got, you know, three European champions in the squad. Um, You know, they've got a lot of internationals, some real quality and I actually think, you know, they've got a good manager and and they play some good football. So to go to their place and get a result was was always going to be, you know, kind of a ridiculously high order. But um, yeah, to to go there and sort of put in such a lacklustre display, I think was what was most disappointing. Um, Like you say, it was after the winter break. It was scrappy. Um, Even the Manchester United manager said that, you know, his team weren't at their best and I don't think they were either. Uh, they were they were a bit scrappy they were a bit sort of um Christmas legs I think if if you can call it but um yeah I don't think our team even had Christmas legs it was just no legs so uh yeah certainly the the vibe afterwards post-match speaking to so obviously the manager Matt Beard and um you know caught a few players in the car park afterwards as well and I think they realized sure they love that
2: yeah (laughs) trying to get home and you're like yeah I was like never
4: would um yeah obviously all, all off record but yeah certainly um yeah the the general vibe i think they they realized that that was an unacceptable performance and i think we've seen some bits on social media afterwards and obviously some fans um you know found it difficult that night especially given the result of the men's game um you know, yeah. 24 hours
2: earlier, I think it was just a really rough weekend. and Double wham weekend. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to talk about football ever again. And then I was like, oh, I've got work tomorrow. I've got yeah. to talk about football <laughs> again. Do you think there's an so element of accepting that, that is just where Liverpool are at? I mean, they've obviously newly promoted this season. They've come into a league which is really competitive and just getting more competitive every single year. And exceptions that at the moment... And maybe for a couple of years, they're not going to be competing at that top level with teams who are in the title race, and and that's okay. Would you would you say that? But the performance level was maybe what was more concerning.
4: Yeah, that that's exactly it. I think yeah, from the scoreline point of view, yeah, I I agree. I think that's that's where Liverpool are at, and that's where Manchester United are at. There, there is a big sort of disparity there in terms of um, the quality of the teams and and kind of what they're fighting for. So um, the scoreline didn't concern me. Um, it was kind of what I expected. Yeah. It was, it was the performance which was really concerning because maybe for the first time, um, you know, I've seen a couple of patches of displays or, you know, the odd game where they've not been quite at it. But this was a game where I thought, you know, oh, they, they don't even look like they're they're playing for the manager today. It was like they knew that they were going to lose and sort of went into that game and just thought, you know, kind of what's the point really? And um, that was the most concerning thing. But but yeah, where, where Liverpool are at, they, you know, there are obviously a club who've just been promoted. Um, they're a club who have had a lot of work sort of done behind the scenes over the last, certainly the, the last year, I would probably say the last 18 months or so to try and get them back on a kind of a level playing field with, you know, teams in the WSL. Um, you know, I'm talking about kind of investment facilities, just the general direction and organisation of the club. I think that's all kind of had a big overhaul. So um, yeah, that they've been playing catch up, I guess. Yeah. Um, so they're not just going to come back into the league and then be kind of on that level playing ground. But certainly, you know, you look at the teams in in the kind of the relegation battle, which Liverpool are in still, um, you know, the likes of Leicester, who only got promoted themselves, I think two years ago now. Um, they only turned professional, I think, in, you know, 2019. So they've, <laughs> Liverpool have had years on them and, you know, should, even though they are kind of replaying catch-up I guess um you know they 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 should be above them they should be above the likes of Reading they have got a bigger budget you know they're a bigger a bigger club a bigger brand so um you would expect Liverpool to stay up but um I sort of I think I kind of hoped that they perhaps might be a little bit more comfortable um but yeah I think they are in that position where the, the main goal at the moment is to stay in the league and that's kind of where they're at in the in the league table. So I don't think it's too concerning from a results point of view, but as you say, it's more the, the the performance, I think, was was
2: really concerning. Yeah, you mentioned the relegation battle. so just for a bit of a state of play, they're ninth in the table at the moment. There's 12 teams in the league, only one team goes down. They're on eight points, Leicester on three at the bottom of the table. But obviously, you mentioned, we, we spoke, didn't we, in the week about them making some good signings. Let's go on to our good signings, because mm-hmm. we've, we've brought Gemma Borner back to the club, former Liverpool captain, obviously had a really successful spell when she was there the first time. Were you surprised by her return to the club? And what do you make of it? I was
4: absolutely not surprised. As soon as she said she was leaving, that was it. (laughs) I knew she was coming back to Liverpool. Um, She loves the club. Uh, Obviously, she won those two WSL titles as captain with Matt Beard back in 2013, 2014. So she's been there, done it. She knows the staff. She knows the club. She knows the fan base. Um, It's a perfect fit, really. And she's a wonderful player. I actually think she should have made far more England appearances than than she probably did in her prime back at City. So, um, yeah, delighted to see her back. It wasn't a priority position for me in the transfer window, so I was quite surprised that you know I think she's quite comfortably our statement signing, um, and in a way, and that's nothing against obviously her as a player. I think it's a great signing, but um, I would have liked our statement signing to be in midfield, um, and even you know another forward. I, I I would would have brought in ahead of a centre back. So um, that was kind of my only disappointment. Was it? She played on the right, didn't she? At the, at the
2: weekend, was that?
4: Yeah, so she, a... it was. Yeah, a strange formation on the weekend. Um,
2: yeah. Sort of a five-two. Taylor two, Hines was pushed a bit further out, wasn't she? And then yeah. Jen was sort of behind. Yeah,
4: yeah. I don't think I ever want to see that again. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Matt yeah, Matt probably doesn't either. With the no, with that, the result. Judging then. by his reaction afterwards, but yeah, no, she she is versatile. She she can play sort of anywhere across the you know the back line, but she is um, kind of trained as a, a you know a. An old school sort of centre back in a four four two formation. So, okay. um, but yeah, she's a very talented player, and I think I think it's great to have her back at the club. I do think if if Jilly wasn't sort of you know retire, retiring or near to retirement, then then that that signing might have been um, maybe a little bit more difficult in terms of trying to balance the the kind of the budget. Um, but obviously with, with Jilly retiring, I think Matt obviously had to bring in another
2: centre-back and, and she was the obvious fit. So yeah, good signing overall, I think. Yeah, before we come on to the other two signings we've made, let's just talk about Jilly as well, because there's been a couple of outgoings. Julie obviously for personal reasons after the loss of her dad and then Charlotte Wardlaw as well has returned to Chelsea, I think, on loan. Mm-hmm. Do they need, particularly Charlotte Ward, does she need replacing? I know we've we brought in Jenna, Gemma to sort of replace Gilly's role, but does, does Charlotte need replacing in the team?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that was a difficult one because it was Chelsea's decision. You know, Chelsea wanted but her to have... It? They brought her back. Yeah, they thought that she didn't have enough game time. Um, and, you know, she is... Charlotte, we saw last season, you know, she's a brilliant young player. She's got a really bright future ahead of her. Chelsea think a lot of her, so... I think they were kind of hoping that Liverpool were going to give her the opportunities as they did last season and, and that just didn't really arise because, you know, different circumstances in terms of obviously Emma Visto coming in from Brighton, perhaps a site change of formation now and again and, and obviously, you know, Rhiannon Roberts, you know, be, being quite strong over the last sort of six to eight months, I think, has probably harmed Wardlaw's chances and, you know, she did come in actually as a bit of a midfield reinforcement as opposed to a defender this season because Liverpool were obviously desperate for midfielders towards the end of the summer transfer window and I would say they still are now um so yeah I think it was it was a difficult one for Liverpool because they yeah they probably didn't really want her to go so I would have liked to have seen a replacement but again um I do think we have options there so it wouldn't have been high up on my list and I think we're fine to kind of leave that role open until until the summer
2: we have brought in two new players. Apologies for my pronunciations <laughs> for both of these because it's probably really long. But Sophie Lundgaard, I think we're going to go with from yeah. Denmark. She's a she's a midfielder, I think. Uh, yeah, and then also the Japan, Japan international Fuka Nagano. You done like, well there. I think I've done all yeah. right. She's twenty three. They're both relatively young players and relatively, would you say, inexperienced players? Is that fair? I don't know if you know much about either of them, but do you think that they could add anything to the Liverpool side at the moment? Or do you think more experience in that midfield area in particular is, is necessary?
4: Yeah, I was quite underwhelmed and, um, you know, and that's more, more because I do think they, they probably are more inexperienced for what I hear. Um, you know, I, I really hope that they're, you know, they're great players and I hope that they do well. I, I'm i more excited to see, um, yeah, the the Japanese midfielder, because, I, I, you know, I've heard good things from sort of journalists there and, I think she's quite sort of creative, quite attacking and quite skillful. So that could be quite quite a good addition to the squad. But, you know, we we haven't seen too many um sort of Japanese players come over to WSL and, and really get to grips with the with the physicality of it. And that would be my main concern, especially in um in this Liverpool team where certainly in the championship one of our key strengths was that kind of endurance, fitness and physicality. And um I'm not quite sure where she'll fit into that, but maybe the fact that she is so different might be, you know, a nice little change, a nice little addition to the team. So she's the one that interests me the most. Um, but how long, yeah, how long she'll take to settle I'm, is is my concern. I think we need a midfielder who can come in now and literally start games tomorrow. Um, whether she is that is yet to be seen. Like I say, I don't really know that much about her because I've not really seen her play too much. But that in itself for me is probably a bit of a concern. Um, like, likewise, you know, um with, with with sophie as well I think it's it's probably a similar situation where um yeah she's obviously kind of you know seen as quite a an exciting prospect and and has obviously got a lot of talent but um yeah what her exact position is, I'm not too sure in that midfield whereas I do see Nagano as kind of more of a kind of an attacking sort of head of the triangle type um, midfielder but yeah i I personally think think we need someone in there who's who's got the legs and experience to kind of help out the likes of Kerry Holland and, and Bo Kearns who who hasn't been in the best of form recently so um yeah whether or not they can provide that I'm 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 not too sure a
2: few goals from midfield would be nice wouldn't it We've yeah scored 11 11 goals in nine league games I think so far this season which I don't know if that takes into account the United game but either way we didn't score in that no. so, <laughs> yeah need a few more goals when does the when's transfer window close? is it the same as the as the men's or is it yeah
4: so off the top of my head I'm pretty sure it's a 30th of January so It might still got yeah, a few weeks Might be the 31st Are you expecting
2: Liverpool To bring anyone else in Or not at the moment
4: I'm expecting uh, Miri Taylor to be announced uh, Which could all already Have been announced By the time this show goes out um, She's the only one That I expect to be Coming in And certainly From speaking to Matt Beard On Sunday um, he, he all but confirmed that He said that there'd be One more coming in What kind of player is she? So as far as I know, she's more of an attacking midfielder. Um, I think she can play in the forward role, but she's definitely not a natural out-and-out striker. Um, She's had a fairly decent goal-scoring rate in terms of uh, kind of college football over in America. But um, in terms of first-team senior football, again, I'm not too sure how much of that she's really had and and kind of how successful she's been in that front. So again, it's it's one for me that, um, you know, I think there's a lot of exciting prospect about her, but um yeah, I probably would have liked to have seen someone who was kind of ready now. So um yeah, hopefully hopefully given the, the kind of the physicality of, of the football over in America, she she might be able to sort in a bit more easier. Um and we saw, you know, the likes of Kerry Holland come over and, and you know, she's yeah, yeah, she's got those those brilliant fitness and endurance levels. So hopefully Mary can bring that and yeah, she's there's there's certainly a lot of noise about her and she does know the English league a little bit. So um, she could be one that that I I think will probably slot straight into the starting eleven.
2: There's a few big games coming up and really earmarking that that Leicester one in, in February. I think it's a day before the Merseyside derby at Anfield, so you've got mm-hmm. you've got a bit of time to get your tickets and come down to that one because it will be probably a big a big game in terms of relegation and deciding the future of Liverpool in the league. And hopefully that's a bright future <laughs> staying there because we don't want to go back down to the Championship. Although you know some of the days were fun. Right, yeah. we'll end it there. <laughs> Thank you to Emma for coming and chatting to us about that, and we'll do another W. <laughs> Sell update soon.
0: It is Strong with 4 Tour Life. I'd like to be joined in the studio by an old friend of the show now, Katie Alice. Katie, thanks so much for coming in to see us. Oh,
5: nice one, Bob, for me.
0: So, last time you were here, there was loads of exciting stuff coming out. You had a new single out, you're doing mm-hmm. stuff with LFC retail. You know How did the year finish up for you, first of all?
5: Um, oh, lots of releases. I feel like we crammed quite a lot in the autumn uh, season. Um, a lot of European releases, which is really exciting. So, working with different labels that I've not had the chance to work with before um releasing songs from camps earlier on in the year and yeah i think we've finished quite strong to be honest with a lot to look forward to this month so i think it was just a uh, nice to wind down knowing that we'd achieved everything we kind of wanted to for that year and then knowing we could just jump straight back in and get excited again
0: so loads of ticks, Lots of ticks uh, yeah. and I'm ready to attack uh, yeah. 2023 and that's what you're doing um, you know I mm-hmm. had my Christmas tree down and I had <laughs> saying like it's what Katie's up to and it's some really exciting stuff that you are able to tell us about you know going into January and onwards
5: yeah yeah so uh, we noticed yesterday that um, one of my favourite songs um, went past five million streams on Spotify which wow. is a nice little milestone thing I'll to say. start the year with yeah <laughs> it's not it's you know, there's, there's people with bigger streams, but for me, that's that's the first yeah. time that's ever happened. So, obviously, very happy about that. And then, um, yeah, we are looking forward to the next release, which is at the end of this month. Um, which, I suppose, I can say who it's with. It's, yeah. yeah, with Late Bat Luke. So, that's absolutely incredible for me. Because um, I used to listen to his music when I was, like, 15, um, just religiously. And then years later, I get an email saying, do you want to do a collab? So... It's just nuts, literally surreal. Still feels surreal.
0: Because he is someone who's who supported you already, you know, I know you, you've done sort of live stuff with him and stuff like that, but this will be the uh, first release together.
5: Yeah, that live, really, um, the live performance was very last minute kind of thing, to be honest. I was actually just going to Creamfields as his guest and I was quite hungover because I thought, I'd, I'd gone out, I'd had a bit of wine the night before, you know, and didn't mean to be hungover, but it's okay, I can chill. I'm just there as a guest, I'm backstage, <laughs> it's fine. And then I met him for the first time and he said, do you want to get up and sing with me tonight? Obviously had to say yes, wanted to say yes. Yeah. But um, I wouldn't have drank the night before if I, knew, <laughs> if I knew I was going to be singing. That's not
0: like what they tell you today, really. like <laughs> know. voice coaching lessons and stuff.
5: But, you know, I thought it's fine. It's, it's going to be like one in the morning, I'll, I'll be fine by then. And the adrenaline just kicked in and it was the best, the best night. It was so good.
0: To do like Greenfields as well, which is like a Scouse mm. institution, must yeah. have been really nice for you. Like exactly. I, we mentioned before, stuff to tick off, like that's like a really cool thing to yeah. have done.
5: Well, to, to be honest, that was the first time I'd ever been to Greenfields. I'd been to lots of other festivals growing up. Um, it's one I always liked, but I didn't really, just never really got the chance to go. It often
0: clash with Sound City and stuff like that, doesn't it? There's like a yeah, stuff going yeah. on, yeah. There's
5: always always something or there's always a gig that's already going on and I, I just couldn't make it happen. And for that to be my first experience at Greenfields was just insane um you know backstage with artists and you're constantly looking at like oh god is that him is that so-and-so is that you know it's just insane just absolutely mad
0: so an artist like luke who you've looked up to for a long time you know uh wanting to work with you wanting to release stuff that must give you like a real boost and, and a real you know sort of i will not say validation because you don't necessarily need that but it does you know I'm sure it'll make you think. Yeah, I'm on the right lines here, yeah. and these people who I looked up to are, uh, uh, into what I do and want to work together.
5: Definitely, I think as well. Like it's it's so easy to get imposter syndrome. So, you know, at least once a week I'll have a meltdown where I'm like, "Oh, I'm rubbish." Oh, this is, what to do? Why do people leave? <laughs> Should like, see me? here, girl, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, and then you'll get that email or a message from someone on Instagram saying like, you know, I like your vocals. Do you want to work on something? And. I, I suppose, yeah, that validates everything that you're doing again and gives you that confidence to just keep going a little bit, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm a little older than you, so I've got different <laughs> sorts of, like, you know, cultural icons and stuff like this. Like, what's this I'm hearing about Roger Sanchez? That's what oh, I want to know.
5: Roger, I love Roger. So... Um, I love that these
0: your first name. him as <laughs> well.
5: Like, <laughs> you know, he's just the loveliest person. Like, really is. Obviously, when I when I first did a session with him, you you're like, I've got to be on best behaviour. I've got to turn up today, and you know, it doesn't always happen. So I was like, please, please be good at writing today, um, and it, it just went really well. And I ended up going out to Miami. I can't remember how long ago we had our last talk. Was maybe it was before. Um, so, yeah, we went out to my well, I went out to Miami to write with him and his fiancée and a couple of other people um so there's a couple of tunes flying about that uh, might come out this year. We'll see
0: well, that's exciting, yeah. but even if it doesn't just have that experience, it it's good to, go to yeah. Miami to work with someone you know like him who's you know been having hits for decades now, yeah. like, it must have been a really cool experience, yeah.
5: definitely, I think as well, like it can be so intimidating going into sessions with these big names um but then you meet them and the everything you hope that they'd be mm. in terms of they actually just really down to earth people and yeah it's just it, it just adds to the whole like dream state like thing of this when you you're meeting these people it's just insane
0: it's writing something you're enjoying and, and uh-huh. something that you maybe think well you know I could I could help write for other people as well as well as yourself
5: yeah definitely I think as well like I think last time I was in here I was still doing a pop project on the side of dance music and since then I've just kind of binned that just wasn't enjoying it for myself anymore but the dance is just so so much more fun for me but I'm still writing for other pop artists, and you just have so much more freedom in terms of what you want to do with a song because you don't have it attached to a brand that you're trying to make.
0: Yeah, I get that.
5: And you work with a voice that's not yours, so they might have a different type of range or whatever, so there's a lot more freedom to, to be creative, I think. Yeah, and no, I it's interesting.
0: That. I remember a musician saying to me, whenever he's struggling to write, he buys a new guitar because just the sound of that. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah. It's an
5: expensive way to. Do I,
0: I mean, he, he had he had the money. I would say <laughs> I mean, he had the money. Been. I would say, but he said he <laughs> buys a new guitar because he said, like, you just get a slightly different sound yeah. of it, and that would inspire something yeah, within yeah. within him to sort of, you know, write something new. You know, it was a real way, sort of, out creator's block And I suppose if you're writing for a new voice as well, you're suddenly sort of thinking about different ideas yeah. that that maybe you know wouldn't have come to you if you were writing for yourself yeah.
5: I think as well like I love starting a session just just chatting about anything I'll say what's what's going on in your life tell me about this and you know sometimes it'll be oh a boy has upset me or this or that and just let them waffle on for it <laughs> and I'm like this on in laptop just going just I feel like a, like a therapist or something <laughs> just typing away going just, just how does that make
0: you feel yeah just like,
5: oh god <laughs> and I'm just making notes and then we've got like a whole you know a big note of context to go into this song and it, It's just nice hearing other people's stories rather than writing about stuff I've gone through as well.
0: In terms of the Liverpool stuff as well, I know that's just fun for you really, you're yeah. Liverpool fans, so to do stuff with like LFC Retail and, and the club, yeah. you know, it's just, I'm sure, a bit of a buzz, you know, hope to do a little bit more of that this year as well.
5: Yeah, I've actually got two shoots this week.
0: Oh, so, there you are, so, so not yeah. even hopeful. No, straight
5: back in. No, I love it, I love it. Just obviously wearing all the Liverpool gear and working with the team, it's the same people every time and just it's just a fun day. Yeah. Very nice. yeah,
0: it's not quite playing for Liverpool, but you know you're able to put the track <laughs> exactly. on and yeah, just sort of yeah, yeah. sort of attend a little bit. You know,
5: what, it's nice because it's the stuff that's not in the shops yet sometimes. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm getting this on fixed <laughs> nice.
0: yeah. telling everyone, oh yeah, look out for this. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's all sort of cool. So yeah, I mean. It must be nice to have so much to look forward to, you know. You 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 feel like to me like you really nailed what you want to do in terms of your own music. You've got sort of other bit of writing stuff as as well, and then and then the fun projects you're able to do. You know, it's 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 exciting. It feels exciting for me, you know. Sort of, you know, you are coming in and describing all this. It must be how it feels.
5: Yeah. It really is. Do you know what? It's uh, what I love so much about the dance, uh, working within the dance genre is it's so fast paced. Mm. So there's. There's no time to like stop. There's constantly another song to work on or record or send something off, and the releases come around fast. You know, I wrote a song. It's not even a month old, and we're talking about release date already. Um, possibly sometime next month, and it's it's just it's impossible to not be excited because it moves constantly. Um, I'm just glad I found a home here. I've struggled. <laughs> I've struggled for years thinking like where is my place, Yeah. where is my sound, where do I belong in it, and I um, really feel like I'm home with it now, so it's good.
0: Well, boss, yeah. well best of luck with it all. The, the Layback Luke tune, when's that outside? 27th
5: of Jan. 27th yeah. of Jan,
0: so if everyone can download, stream, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you do in terms yeah, of support, support and that, and then just follow you on social media for, for everything else.
5: Exactly, there'll be a pre-save link in my bio, so everyone should go check that out and pre-save. That'd be muchly appreciated.
0: Boss, we'll tag you in the show whenever that that so people can find you. But lovely to see you. Nice uh, see- thanks for coming in on this freezing cold day. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's thanks. No Miami outside, but you've come <laughs> in and we appreciate it and uh, love to see you as well. Nice to see you. Okay, let's look ahead to Chelsea then, and I'll start with you, Keo. It's, it's two teams who aren't where you know they, they expected to be. I think Harriet mentioned before that you'd you know are writing stuff that you know you'd, you'd normally be looking at this as a as a top of the title clash or at least you know two teams competing for Champions League places. Now it's ninth v tenth, which is slightly unusual um, they've got a few new players in, we're not quite sure what to expect from them, you know, who's going to start there's a few back, just seeing Kante in training it was just dead funny, like of course he is, uh, I don't think he's going to start but it was just like, yeah, just don't, I think mean, he only plays against Liverpool now, but the, despite the league possession, I guess what I'm saying is they are a bit of a dangerous outfit because we don't know what we're going to get from them
3: no, that's the first thing I said to Harriet so just before we started the show. I'd seen something about Kante in, in one of the WhatsApp groups. <laughs> he playing? He sure? no, no, no. He he's playing. He's surely not at
0: He's running, shot. he's back running, so it'd be yeah, a big yeah. shout to throw him in. But who yeah, the yeah. fuck knows?
2: Also, like how I was asked, like I, I I'm supposed to Harriet.
1: You've been in London. <laughs> you've been in London,
2: you've
1: been to
3: the training ground, you've spied over the fence, you know what's going on. Sorry for asking you, but I I wanted to know because I know <laughs> he has a but like I said I don't think he's going to be in in there no but you're right John you're right I mean they're not playing too great they've had a bad patch um similar to ourselves and they've brought players in I know one of them's not going to play due to getting sent off the other one I don't know too much about but they pay some big big money for yeah. them so their fans will be looking forward to seeing them Their are looking forward to seeing them so yeah I mean I, I don't know which way it's going to go um but i hope it goes liverpool's way i hope we come out fighting i hope we I say close them gaps and we're closing down properly and we look more like the liverpool that we that we want to see every week um i'm, I'm not I'm not scared of them I'm not, I'm not saying that but i i just i am i am wary of, of how the season's going and how their season's going and how both teams are going to be desperate to win so we'll just liverpool turn up and, and do them over
0: <laughs> yeah let's hope so the, the... You know, they're not looking as as sharp at the moment. Sort of similar to us, Mike. So there is an opportunity if we are at it. You know, with the unfamiliar unfamiliarity of the team, I've not, I have thought he might have a couple more back, but apparently Graham Potter's done his press conference and, and said there'll be there'll be no Chilwell and, and and no James, who who are who are lads who are who are sort of close going back for them. So. You know they're going to be a little bit thrown together, uh, the Chelsea, and if we don't give them any time to settle, I think if we allow them to creep into the game, I think that'll be dangerous. But if we're at it from the off, which I know isn't isn't easy when you're not playing well yourself and at half twelve and everything, but we are at it from the off, and we and we look much more like it. Then I think we can get up in the game, and then and then the crowd comes into it, and, and I think that could see us through.
1: Well, it has to be a similar start to the, the start we had against Wolves, where. You know, from minute one against Wolves, you could see that, that Liverpool side were on it. Like, against Brighton, it was a really slow start, and we allowed Brighton to take control of the game. And look, Chelsea aren't in fine fettle themselves, but if we allow them to go into the game, they have quality players, you know, players who we don't even know about their skill sets too too much, you know, Modric and some other players who are unknown quantities in, in some ways. They have quality to hurt us it, it is the big issue. So I think it's important for us at home, 12.30 kickoff, you know, Anfield, let's let's get straight at them really and let's play like Jürgen Klopp's side, let's be intense, let's not concede the first goal after three minutes, please, thank you, let's not do that again because it is getting really boring doing that yeah. every single game. Um, so if we could start well, hope maybe even score a goal after three minutes rather than concede a goal after three minutes, that would be nice um, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know, if it feels a bit like a City game where we're going. We're going into this, a big game. Well, big in terms of the sides and, and the history these two sides have, rather than where they are on the league table. It's still a big game. It's still yeah. against Chelsea, and it's one. Anfield will be hopefully be up for. Yeah, you know, we'll be up for. We'll have a good time, and um, hopefully, hopefully, we get a, a much needed win.
0: Yeah, that is the hope. Um, so, how would you go about it, Harriet? Uh, I mean, Jürgen said he doesn't listen to anyone, um, but well, definitely,
2: definitely not to me.
0: You might listen to Sky Sports Harriet. Exactly. exactly. That that is my point. You right. are, you, are
2: you three all done now? We
0: can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As Jürgen said in his press conference, you know he doesn't listen to anyone without expertise, but they just they won't put just anyone on the telly. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, what what team are you picking?
2: Yeah, I wrote the preview and I was like sort of going through the the team in in my head, and it's it's quite difficult actually because there's there's actually quite a lot of like variations that he could do. But I think the back line I'd stick with I'd stick with Gomez just because obviously he ha- he was the one that probably in the in the last two games had the better of the games out of him and Matip. Obviously Matip had a little bit of a, a nightmare against Brighton, so I liked the balance between between Gomez and and Kanate. So I think I'd stick with them. Obviously the fullbacks kind of themselves and they've had a rest in midweek obviously Allison goal forward. i'm going to come back to midfield i know it's not really conventional but i think that's where like the biggest questions are forward i just go pretty pretty standard hopefully nunez is is back in someone's put in the comments hope he finds the back of the net didn't he literally score in the game before like the last game he played <laughs> um so i think he knows think he knows where it is i'd put him in the middle salah right and i'd, I'd still be playing Gakpo on the left i think obviously he's not coming to like an ideal team but he's been been. Okay. I mean I think he's got a lot of lot to prove, hasn't he? And he's he's gonna have to be given time to do that. And then in midfield, I'd like to see back, back I always say his name, Ron Bachetic. We're gonna go with that. But I don't <laughs> no, I, think, I think I still can't kind
0: of do Gakpo. <laughs> I think he'll
2: um I think he'll put I think he'll put Fabinho back in, but I think he'll keep the other two the same So I liked the Tiago and, and Nabi sort of link up. I thought that worked quite well. So that that would be the team that I would pick. But Klopp is mad, isn't he? He doesn't listen to anyone, probably probably just sort of goes what is everyone else saying I'm going to do the opposite because that will work so yeah I just I think whoever plays though like like we've sort of mentioned it's just no gifts like no early gifts and no doing anything stupid because I feel a bit for the manager because in in some press conferences especially after Brighton he's like yeah you can make all these plans but when when players are just giving away the ball stupidly he didn't say that but when when you're making mistakes like that you you can't just basically cop for every single mistake that the players make. You can't cop for giving the ball away in, in a ridiculous area like every single time. So none of that would be nice. Um, but yeah, that's the team I think I'd go for.
0: Kia, would you do any difference? Would you think you will do I, any difference?
3: I wouldn't, you know. I mean, is it... I it? I'm not sure. I'm saying his name yourself. Bajetic or Bajetic or... <laughs> whatever, however you pronounce it, I'll, I'll probably Google that as soon as the show's finished instead of before it. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't I'm probably although he has his critics, I probably will placate him in, in the midfield. Um, and I don't think you can mess him up too much Your front. Salah, Gakpo, I mean, Gakpo looks silky with the ball. He looks like his touch is good in tight spaces. And I want to see him more with Nunes. I think he's always looking for a layoff and a cross. And I, I, I'd like to get as many minutes with them two on the pitch to start forming something. So, yeah, and the obvious backboard and, and, and the goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, I think the only thing there's only there's a couple for me. My um, called of question marks. I think I'd maybe like to see Elliot again in, in in the front three, but it's just the sort of the combination, and I I understand the the desire to pick you know the big three if you like if you want to call them that uh, sort of Gakpo Nunes and Salah and you know because they're the most experienced and 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 we want to sort of start building combinations between them and also you know if Elliot comes into the team then it's a question of what what you do with Salah but. I thought he was so good Elliot um, on Tuesday night and gets his goal and because of the critic sort of he's had and to, to bring him in and then take him back out again might seem a little harsh so, so I'd like to start Elliot I'm just not quite sure how I do it so maybe you can solve it for me.
1: Yeah I, I can I think I can because I, Amazing. Can start, I would start Salah through the middle with Nunes and have Elliot off the right and have it so like it's kind of like a Salah and Nunes almost like a front three and, and Elliot joins them at times and might just play off them. So, you know, if yeah, I, maybe Jurgen might listen to me, who knows? But uh, Same no, I do... speak
2: in the comments, he wants Nunes on <laughs> the left, are, cool and man. tell him yeah. to, I think he means to just run towards,
0: <laughs>
1: <professor>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think that we aren't in a position to not reward players who are performing well, given so many players aren't performing well. So, I don't think it would be. The best message to the groups to drop the lights to Badges and Elliot, given how well they played, it wasn't that they just, they just played well or did okay. Like they played exceedingly well against the Wall side again, who are improving, who were at home. It was under the lights. It was a tricky game. It was mm-hmm. one of those games you could lose. So, I think we're in a position now where we have to play those players and and and, and let them lose their place almost. So so I would I would let Elliot go again. You know, someone who I think Elliot at times has received his critics this season, and, and I understand at times he has. He has underwhelmed, but there is there is obvious talent in in him, and, and and he he loves the club, and all those little intangible things do matter. There is this real desire to improve, I, I sense whenever he speaks and whenever we we see him play, he she, he never hides, he always shows for the ball. And I just think that we have to reward that. We have to reward these players who are working hard, who are fighting for the shirt and and you know, did the same one on, on on Tuesday. So reward reward players that are playing well. Hope they continue to just to, to show out well for us, and and hopefully we can win games and go and run. Harriet's
0: the hope of all of us. We're uh, we gonna win, Harriet. What do you think?
2: Yeah, we're gonna. win. I put that. I put that um, comment without seeing them calling Gakpo too. So, do we really know that yet? Yeah, I feel like we need to give him a bit of time before we judge. But I think we're gonna win. Yeah, I. Uh, I go into every game with this eternal optimism, and sometimes they disappoint me within three minutes. But no, that's, <laughs> so that's not the way. This this weekend, I'm feeling confident.
0: Yeah, we're gonna win. I mean, they can't they can't roll into a boss kids night on the back of anything else, can they? It's the yeah, it's the most important um, day in the in the calendar. So yeah, we're gonna win.
3: That's it. We're gonna win. We're gonna win. And um, like I, I can say, I've got to go, I've got to go and sing tomorrow before the game and, and, and get people off. I'm not gonna go on stage and start you know thinking let's play for the draw or anything like that. I, I want to win every single game, and I'm a little bit of a hopeful as well. I do think we will sort it out, and tomorrow's the the, the, the starting point in there.
2: Where are you playing?
3: Um, the before I play the sanding before every game, don't I? So it's an early start tomorrow. So, Rocky and then um, you know, C si Senor, a full belt. <laughs> Brilliant. What
2: times an acceptable beer time for a twelve thirty kickoff? Ask the question.
3: I, I don't know. I'm in the car. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Mike, uh, if you want to ask, answer either what, what's the score going to be or what is the acceptable beer time. Uh, feel free to answer even one.
1: But for 12.30, I mean, as soon as you wake up, I guess, is the answer. You know, there, there are no rules in the contest. For
0: breakfast.
1: Yeah, breakfast. Have have a drink for breakfast, who knows. Uh, Scoreline, I'm going to be optimistic because I do think we're going to win the game. But I'm going to say it's going to be a it's gonna be an emphatic 1-0 win, I think. It's going to be a, a 1-0 win where we feel like it should have been more. So uh, I'm going to go
0: 1-0. There we are. Harriet's got a maid staying from uni this weekend, so I reckon she'll be just getting in at 12.30 tomorrow, but we shall see. Uh, start, start drinking Friday night. Uh, no, I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm sure. that's not the case. Uh, listen, hope you've all enjoyed that. Thanks a lot uh, to the people who came in and did the inserts uh, earlier in the week and obviously to my panel, to Kyo, to Harriet and to Mike. Uh, Harriet has been producing as well because she's an all-round superstar. Um, so thanks very much to all of you. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Let's hope the Reds started off wonderfully.